This is Courtney. I play McKenna Ali, your favorite Loxodon. Well, let's be honest, your favorite character. I want to thank you for joining us on this adventure. Starlight has taken a lot of love from all four of us, and from the bottom of our hearts, we are so thankful. Every review, every subscribe, every Patreon subscriber, or in any way that you give back to Starlight means the world to us. And in case you didn't know, each reading or review helps reveal our podcast for those finding new podcasts and adventures to go on. I truly hope you enjoy the venture ahead. Until next time, see you later, spacers. Hey, welcome back to Starlight, guys. 2021 is still going pretty strong, I think. We're recording this all at once, so I don't actually know. I'm just, this is past Isaac hoping. <laughs> um, and we hope that you guys are having a wonderful start to your week and you can have fun catching up on this week's episode. So to start things off, we had our last episode was a one-shot or a solo-sode or a solo story where we watch Atlas get his beep kicked. Um, just kidding. But now the crew comes back together. Unfortunately, our resident space cowboy can't be with us because of work, which responsible adults will do if they can. So we guess we can forgive him. Uh, and we are at the point where the characters might meet back, meet, might, Ooh, I can't speak. Might meet back up again, uh, and if not, my work's cut out for me. So to my right, I have the wonderful Courtney Yorks playing. McKenna Ali. And straight ahead, virtual, from a far, far away state in a different galaxy, we have Nathan Coots playing. Uh, Nathan playing Alice. Nathan Coots playing Nathan. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> And as always, my name is Isaac, your host and GM. Uh, and before we get going, does anybody have a special message they want to share with the audience or? Negative. Oh, oh. Courtney, you said you were going to make more poems and I rhymes. I did, I totally forgot. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Right, okay, disadvantage on everything this game. <laughs> um, well, then with nothing f further ado, let's Jump into it. Neuralink, would you please mind accessing memories? Accessing. The spacers come to a head in their confrontation against Gorn, the Sunmaker's temple guardian and keeper of secrets. The spacers have questions that only the snake-eyed tiefling can answer, but he is in no mood to speak with them. Having successfully separated Atlas from the rest of the group, Gorn and his allies engage the Acer in an effort to pick him off before the others can dig out the rubble separating them from him. It is the three against one, as Gorn and his companions begin raining fire upon Atlas from the grand steps that represent where the natural caverns in the foothills of the Anima's end and the Loxodon's temple begins. Memories Retrieved because you were the only one to play the last game, we are going to give inspiration to Atlas for this game. Um, and I think that's a pretty no-brainer there. Um, <laughs> so let's see, where do we where do we start? Oh, 
That's right. We zoom in on the uh, Atlas having just called out uh, back to McKenna and Clive as McKenna and Clive confirmed that it was him. Right after Atlas called back and, uh, you know, a a few moments after you, Atlas, had already engaged with the enemy a little bit, uh, confirmed it was you, and there's the sounds of blaster fire just ricocheting off of rock, Atlas, as you begin to engage with the enemy. On the other side, uh, McKenna and Clive are pulling this rubble apart. You, McKenna and Clive, find yourself in this disjointed, ruined antechamber of the way. And on the other side, it is where where the temple meets um, the natural versings of the cavern where Atlas is now engaged. Painkillers, I'll just take one. As you see these four figures raising their weapons to fire. First, to the right of the stairwell, you see one of the uh, figures dressed in uh, green fatigues, the uh, same way that the figure to the left of the, the previous assailant is dressed similarly, both with kind of skull caps. He gets down to one knee, raises the rifle, and shoots it. It fires off, ricocheting across the wall. This seems to do a bit more damage than your run-of-the-mill weapon, where you can see it burrow just a little bit in. But uh, the trade-off is you see that it's kind of like only firing one shot at a time. Gorn uh, has just called out to you again, saying, Who sent you? The Knights of Reckoning? I want to send you back in a coffin to the right place. He then lowers his own laser rifle. You see a glint of metal and you can see two points from where it's been bayoneted on the end. There's a crackle of lightning from the ends of the bayonet, some sort of stun weapon affixed to it. He goes ahead, takes a shot, fires, it lands and smolders in the ground next to you. I see four of them, it looks like, right? Yes. Go ahead and roll a perception roll. Okay. Uh, 19. You see the figure uh, to the back right of the middle assailant who just called out to you is some sort of uh, bot itself, but this one is not as crude as the one you fought in the hallway previously. This one is built in a similar fashion to humanoids and uh, it wears clothes, but it ha- it's this, the body of it's all white. And you can see that it has like, it has two hands, the hands themselves are uh, able to kind of like morph into weapons. Um, but it's staying really close to the the center enemy. Okay. And Gorn's not the center? Or is he the center? He is the center. Well, Alice has just seen his beast-like state, so he's just going to charge straight at Gorn. So right, then you are about 30 feet away. With my second shot, because I haven't recharged it all, but so I only have one more shot, I'm going to shoot him with my burst axe. So you swing the burst axe, or, the burst axe around where the haft opens up into the muzzle, the yellow light loading as right. you fire it off. Really? Two damage. Okay, so he throws himself to the side. You catch most of the uh, cloak itself, and when it hits, you watch as just the edges kind of catch fire for a brief second before smoldering out. Uh, he p- pulls up the face mask and the eyes kind of like narrow now that he's surrounded uh, with uh, what seem to be similar uh, temple keepers 
he seems set on fighting. Um, you do notice that in his hand is a small box, some sort of metallic implement, and he makes sure that he is he seems to draw closer to the robot android thing. Where we last left off with McKenna is she had sent a message in to your mind. Alice, you seem a little angry. Is everything okay? Oh yeah, you're just gonna get like growling from Alice at this point. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you hear this faint <laughs> The the other assailant dressed in a the fatigues uh, moves aside kind of protectively in front of Gorn and steps there and lowers his weapon uh, and you you hear him speak we gotta protect this are you sure we can hold and Gorn snaps his fingers and it immediately cuts the other person off with silence I am firebolting through the doorway, um, realizing something pretty awful is going on. You hit a particularly durable, like, chunk of rock, and it doesn't seem to do anything. Is he just kind of bursts against it? <laughs> Gorn, uh, you watch as he hands the metallic box over to the robot, and uh, the robot. Then it, with its white spindly legs, begins running further back into the cavern. It seems to be dashing away. Gorn then turns back. He steps back a, a step himself and kind of like moves around the backside of uh, his companion and uses his companion as a little bit of like shielding in case you fire your burst axe again, giving himself partial cover. He whips around and fires his uh, rifle right at you. This time it does hit five points of damage. So the shot is radiant damage as it slams into you. Radiant? Yes. Okay. When he sees it hit you, he ducks behind his companion. Okay, I'm gonna charge at Gorn. So you go running up, charging up the stairs. You you will get right next to the, not not the companion he's hiding behind, you'll get behind We'll just call him like the other family member uh, that's on the side of the stairway. Okay, I'll, I'll get to him then. He raises his weapon almost in defense of whatever you're about to do. I'm just gonna swing my axe like at his head. I'm, I think I'm a little higher. Thirteen. Thirteen. That is a hit. Okay, so you go running up the steps, just two, two. You raise the axe up, chopping off his head as you just kind of like shear into him, never moving your eyes away from Gorn. The body goes falling to the ground, the head rolling along the steps backwards with a spurt of blood. I am gonna firebolt the wall again to try to get through. And as you do that, Clive kind of moves back from you as you catch it on fire and some of the fire kind of splashes up towards him and he goes, McKenna, will you stop that? Quit goofing around. And he starts trying to grab a rubble and starts moving it by hand. The family member that's protecting Gorn from you, uh, he raises his own uh, laser rifle and fires it straight at you, Atlas. Yeah, I'm still standing because of painkillers. Yeah, so you feel that kind of score into the side of you. You can see uh, circuitry, blood, and um, gel uh, liquid kind of like spilling out of you. And... Uh, he, the family member cocks his head 
and you can see that he has very like jade green eyes. One of his eyebrows has kind of been like burned off. And can you make a perception roll? Five. <laughs> oh, okay. The moment is too quick, uh, but you see that he's kind of like taken aback as he raises a hand up and kind of tries to push uh, Gorn back further as he's looking at you kind of with a, how are you still standing, boy? Okay, I am going to use Thunder Wave. So I'm putting my hand on the ground, and when I do that, this huge thunderous wave that um, pushes the wall. Down. And I'm going to walk through and say, Oh, Alice, looks like you could use some help. Um, and go from there. And Atlas, what catches you is uh, the explosion, obviously, but it's also the amount of debris that goes flying over your shoulder, peltering into the side of you and into Gorn and his companions as McKenna walks out. There is a spilling of light from the chamber behind her, the antechamber, and you see that it is almost like, strangely, like she's like a shadow because she's obscuring a lot of the light coming through. <laughs> Um, I see this large heat signature. <laughs> this very large heat signature coming from. And just to, I can see Alice now. He looks like he's in rough shape, I presume. I look like a animal, a feral animal. Yeah, that uh, we found on the street. The when that happens, the family member looks back at Gorn and goes, "We got to get you out of here, sir." Uh, you hear Gorn go, but the secret doesn't matter if we aren't alive. Gorn kind of it nods his head. Gorn is going to take a burst shot, two of them at Atlas. 15 points of damage. You get like a slowdown of time, both of you. You know what? And I want, I want, Atlas, I want McKenna to feel bad. So because she burst through the door, Atlas looks back at her, right? Mm -hmm. This is an image, right? Looks back at her, all feral and everything. And during that moment, you see the lights start to dim on Atlas because he got his shot through the chest or wherever while he crumples to the ground. And I should feel bad because... Because you distracted him. <laughs> That's why he got hit. <laughs> okay. 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 Alice goes crumbling to the ground. McKenna next to you. Uh, you hear the sound of rubble being moved as Clive is pushing the rocks you accidentally covered him with from the thunder wave off of him with a, you knock it off. And he walks around the corner just as Atlas goes crumpling to the ground and he goes, oh, here we go again. And he raises his hands and you watch as like that faint hovering blue light of uh, his healing spell starts to kind of like hover above his hands. Um, and Gorn and the family member both start running out of the chamber. McKenna, will you please make a perception roll? Um, 16. You hear the faint sound of an engine at the mouth of the cave start to turn on with a I am going to put Gorn to sleep. 
because there's not much that I can do from being that far away besides put him to sleep. So I'm going to knock him out. Um, it's five, so it affects 5d8 of his HP. Yes. Um, yeah. Two, nine, ten, twelve, nineteen. So, McKenna, you start to mutter under your breath, uh, working your way into his neural link with this spell of sleep. Uh, you watch as Gorn kind of slows for a second, grabbing the side of the wall, shakes his head. His companion kind of grabs the side of him, looks him in the eyes. Gorn looks straight back at you with his these reptilian uh, tiefling eyes, yellow with like slits through the iris, and then he continues running on. Damn it! I just want to yell. I'm the moon maker and I'm here to help. Okay, make a persuasion roll. Not 20! Yes! <laughs> 20. <laughs> He's starting to round the corner and he stops again. His companion starts to pull in his arm one more time. And Gorn holds out a hand and looks back at you as if he's almost like sizing you up. How do I know this is not a lie? And I show my tattoo. So it's a tattoo of Tusk and it's on like it's on my back, my back, actually. So you kind of turn and you pull back your, your cloak yes. a little bit. Yes, and it's tusks that go down and meet in between my spine. That's the sign of... Knights of Reckoning Scum. My master warned me about you. Warned you? You were really close friends. He raises he his rifle and fires it straight at you. You have to throw yourself to the side. And when you get back up, as it what? cracks into the wall, they are gone. And you hear the faint noise of uh, nanobots curling up around Atlas on the ground as Clive is healing him up. And Clive, you just hear Clive going, no, no, and just slaps Atlas on the face and goes, you're not dying here. Not when I finally got some information on my sort of stuff. And you also hear McKenna over that, the hum of what was probably a, one of your guys' land speeder being taken and boosted away. Wow. Atlas, you come back to. There you go. We're going to be needing you in the times to come. And we finally got some information. So it's not a lose-lose situation. Tell him, McKenna. We know where the Sunmaker's spaceship is. Um, on the equatorial line. And we're going there after we go meet with... Um, oh, you know the girl. Thyra. Thyra, yes. After we go meet with her, we're going to the equatorial line on this beloved colony um at five south of barber and we will go investigate the ship but we must get there before they do so i don't think they know that we have that information so i think we're safe there 
And apparently my closest friend thought I was awful and felt the need to warn people about me. And now, and now I don't know what's going on in the world. Well, you were kind of part of a terrorist organization. But so was he and we were close friends. <sighs> I'm going to need a stiff drink after all this. And he watches Clive kind of walks like moves a step away from Atlas and also slumps up against the uh, stairs. And he goes, well, the very least, we got the door open. Sorry about desecrating your religion and all, McKenna, but we should be getting uh, a ship out of this thanks to Atlas's parlaying. Yeah, I guess. And I'm going to start walking towards the door. Yeah, Alice started uh, kind of limping towards the door at this point. Actually, McKenna's going to try to help Atlas by picking him up because he looks so weak. In his weakened state, he's still going to push you away. Well, Atlas, you just look like you need a little bit of help. I don't need no help. (laughs) I mean, you definitely did. You needed help. It's okay to admit it. Nope. <laughs> and I'm headed towards the ship. Okay. So as you guys start to make your way out of the chamber, um, you again pass through the caverns that you'd been through, including the uh, overly large um, shiitake mushroom type situation, growths that are cultivated and grown here. You guys don't see Seesaw at any point again. Um, the boy having long got out of harm's way. Your eyes and hearts set on getting back to Thyra. Uh, you guys pass the body of that red-headed woman. Um, from there, you come to the mouth of the cave and you see your guys' speeders left there, your stolen speeders from the rich folk, as Seesaw put it, uh, behind one of the stalactites. Um, and there is a faint sparking from one of them. Uh, and it looks like it's taken a little bit of uh, blaster fire. Um, McKenna, will you please roll me a percentile die. Oh, she's doing that for the redhead, bo- red-haired woman. Uh, I'll, I'll carry her body out. Okay. Thirty-seven percent. Oh, the other speeder has been destroyed as well, and they left one single speeder. So presumably, they had some of their own transport. Hmm. Well. It's- one of us needs to go back and tell Thyra what happened, and the other one of us needs to wait here or start walking. Clive kind of cocks his head and he goes, Well, seeing as I'm the one in best shape, and I'm not going to lie, I, I, I do need to know more about this Shrine Cross and to understand how I was made. And, uh, well... The way I'm seeing it is they tuck tail and ran. So if you guys could get that speeder working and get back to Thyra, that might be good because I have plans to turn 
no offense to your religion, but this temple upside down and see if I can find anything more on the shrine cross. Well, that, that works for me. Um, I'll go take a look at it and see if I can repair it. It looks like without a repair kit, this is going to be a tough cookie to crack. Do you have a repair kit? Yeah, I have one. I was going to ask you if you had one or not. I don't think so. All right. Yeah, we can use mine. Alice kind of pulls out a bag of supplies and Clive kind of like sighs and just... <sighs> I'm guessing that none of you are well-versed with ships. Mm, nope. Yeah, figures. That's okay. So he gets down with the tools and starts working on the ship. It takes him... Uh, quite a while to diagnose what the problem is and to circumnavigate it. But so he's able to get it working lightly. And eventually this is about 40 minutes later. He taps the side of it and he goes, now no offense, McKenna, but you weigh quite a bit more and part of the repulsor system has been messed up. So I recommend that Atlas ride it. The, uh, this thing's, uh, it'll get from point A to point B, but if you need to be doing any acrobatics or anything like that, I just don't recommend going out. You know, it's not the night for donuts. Are you saying that I can't write it at all? I'm saying that I'm, I'm afraid that it... Uh, Are you calling me large, overweight, uh, round, yep. elephant? Well, I was going to say... it's all true, and I'm very flattered. Um, well, I'm going to write anyways. Alice, are you ready? And I'm going to sit on it. Well, so there's that one, and there's the one that they left. Oh, so there's I'll two. go to the nicer one. Okay. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll sit on it and then throw the red-haired lady on the back of it. Okay. So, you throw it on the back. You watch as, like, you both kind of, like, power up the speeders. They kind of come to life, and you get start to make your way presumably back to Ninoy proper. As you start to zoom uh, and you start moving faster and faster, the ground becoming a little bit more of a streak as you're hovering about 10 feet over it. Um, you see all manner of creatures that seem to be, most of the animals seem to be nocturnal. You hear the shrieking of these birds and one kind of like comes close by. You see that it has four wings and it has like a barbed tail. It seems to look at you curiously before flapping off. Um, along the way, you see, both of you see what you, like you both kind of like, did I just imagine that? It seems to be a rock that is moving of its own and you realize that the animals here seem to be comprised of a hard outer shell uh, and they somehow seem to uh, almost like that, like almost as protection from the earthquakes that this is a part of how they either evolved as they either fly or they are almost very similar to the rocks themselves and how their body have formed. Um, you start coming to the outer edges of Ninoy. The rain has really ebbed away at this point, although every once in a while you get hit, you know, kind of by like the stray, like the stray streaks of rain, uh, the wipers on the front of the uh, vehicle kind of like sending it off. Um, and Atlas, your vehicle every once in a while spews a gout of gas, um, out. And that is when you hear 
the sound of flashing lights start to show up in the rearview mirrors. And you hear a voice over a like intercom system kind of blast out at you. Vehicle boosters, pull over. And that <laughs> I told you is we where stole these. we will end this game. <laughs> so right. <laughs> uh, in trouble with law, in trouble with uh, Gorn, and we shall see where this goes. Uh, we hope you guys have a wonderful week and you enjoyed that episode. And we can't wait to bring you more. Right, see you later, spacers. See you next time. Yep, see ya. Now you gotta get that DoorDash. Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlights. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers. <laughs>